to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, good morning, One Church family and friends. Happy Sunday to you all. I hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you're at. I know some of you are gathered together in house church. Maybe you've had some wonderful food. Maybe you're at home with your family and just making space in your life today. Maybe you're watching this later in the week. Whenever you're watching this, I just want to say thank you for joining us. And of course, we are in our bi-weekly rhythm, continuing to make our way forward in that rhythm of gathering bi-weekly and then, of course, in house church on the other weeks. But thank you wherever you're at today. Thank you for joining us. In addition, uh, we're also in our temple season. And uh, temple is just kind of the theme that we are using uh, to bring some focus to a season of time that we want to seek the Lord, that we want to make room in our lives for God to move. And so practically speaking, we're dedicating 21 days just to focus in at the beginning of the year to seek God. And uh, we're having special times of prayer. We've had phenomenal times of prayer throughout this week on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. All of that information of those times is on our website at ocparkdistrict.com events. But we've been having a wonderful time of prayer. And also, I want to mention a couple other events in this temple season. First of all, next Sunday, we're going to be back at the Winter Park Community Center gathering together. It's going to be a great time. would love for you to join us. And then on Friday night, February the 4th, we're going to be meeting at the Future Open House uh, for our first ever uh, time of worship in the building. We've met there and prayed. We've had a time of worship in the parking lot, but we're going to be gathering together for a kind of low-key uh, worship in the raw time. But we want to just take time to worship the Lord, to turn our hearts to Him uh, in worship, to encounter His presence. And I just felt, as I shared with you last week, there's something about us getting into that space, getting into uh, the, those walls that we will call home in just a few months' time. Uh, but for us to get into that place and just fill that place with prayer, with praise, with worship, with God's presence. So I'd love for you to join us on Friday, February 4th, there at 7 o'clock. And of course, the building is still in a very rough and rugged shape. It's kind of a construction zone. So I know for some of you with kids, it may not be feasible to bring your kids, but we're going to do the best we can just to make sure that it is conducive uh, for us to get together as a church family in this season and uh, just to welcome the presence of God in. And I hope that you're also doing that throughout the week in your home and uh, even as we're getting together for prayer. And then the last thing I want to mention is on Sunday, February the 6th, uh, we're going to be back at the Winter Park Community Center. We've got a doubleheader back-to-back two weeks in a row, the 30th and February 6th. And we're going to be finishing our temple season on February 6th with a special guest, Russ Klein. Some of you may remember Russ. Uh, He was with us in one of our Zoom Sundays uh, last year. And uh, Russ really carries a prophetic gift. I know that may be language that some of you may not be familiar with. Uh, I know sometimes in our culture, it may sound strange to refer to somebody as a prophet, uh, but the Bible actually says that God's given a number of gifts, uh, pastors being one, and we use that nomenclature for people. And so also we want to recognize the gift of a prophet. And Russ really carries that anointing uh, just to help raise our sensitivity to what God is saying in this season. And so we're 
thrilled to be able to have him with us. And uh, even more important than Russ is the Holy Spirit. And so I hope you'll join us uh, on uh, the 30th and also on February 6th at the Community Center. And let's just come with expectation for God to speak to us. Well, if you have your Bible today, you can grab it with me and turn to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel in the Old Testament. And we're continuing our temple season and our temple series. And throughout these weeks, we're just going to be speaking to uh, really that heart of pursuing the presence of God and uh, the recognition that out of the presence of God and from the presence of God flows everything else that we need. And so today I want to talk to you on the thought of intimacy and influence. Intimacy and influence. And, you know, when I think about the temple, the physical building that Israel constructed where uh, God met with them, uh, I think that the temple really was a place of intimacy and influence. It was a place where God's special presence dwelt. Of course, God's presence is everywhere. He's omnipresent. We can't hide from him. We can't run from him. But in the temple, he dwelt, he lived, he met with people in a special way. It was an, a place of intimacy where people would come to meet with God, encounter God. That's why David said, I'd rather, uh, I'd rather uh, be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. So it's a place of intimacy, but it was also a place of influence. You see, God's plan ultimately wasn't that the temple would just contain his presence uh, in Jerusalem, but that it would really demonstrate his intention for all of creation. His goal was that the whole world would become a temple and that from that building in Jerusalem, uh, there would be an influence that would spread out around the world. And so the temple was a place of intimacy and influence. And of course, the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament that you are God's temple. We are God's building. In other words, God doesn't dwell in a building in Jerusalem alone. He doesn't dwell in a building and, you know, across the world alone. He dwells in us. He lives in us. We are God's temple. We are being built together as a dwelling place for the presence of God. And so just as the temple in Jerusalem was a place of intimacy and a place of influence, I believe God wants us as his people to live in that place of both intimacy and influence. You know, oftentimes when we talk about influence, people think about influence uh, kind of through the lens of our current culture. You know, there is even the term an influencer, oftentimes thought of with social media and a public platform and those sorts of things. And although there's nothing wrong with those things per se, uh, that's actually more about popularity than influence. And so as we talk about influence, we're not talking about worldly influence. Worldly influence is all about the external performance, the external approval. We're actually talking about a kingdom influence, and that is influence that flows from intimacy. And Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, when he talks about three things in private, he says, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give in the secret place, uh, your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And so Jesus is talking about this place of intimacy producing influence. 
And that's what God has for us, even as we're in this season of temple, that we are somewhat drawing back, uh, designating special time to be alone with God, to seek God. I believe that God is positioning us in an incredible place for influence far beyond what we could ever do in our own strength. Um, You know, working the analytics of social media can give you popularity, but it's actually God that gives you enduring influence. And so I believe that as we are pursuing intimacy, as we talked about with Moses last week, that he went to the tent of meeting, I believe that God is going to give us tremendous influence. And so I want to look today at the book of Daniel. And last week we looked at Moses. Today I want to look at Daniel. And if I had time, I'd read the whole book of Daniel. And so I actually encourage you, uh, perhaps this week in your time with the Lord, to read through the book of Daniel. I think it's 12 chapters, but it's a powerful, powerful book. But I want to kind of focus on these themes of intimacy and influence in Daniel's life. Daniel was a man of incredible influence. In fact, if you know Daniel's story, you know that Daniel lived in a ungodly culture. He was uh, taken into captivity in Babylon, anti-God. You know, it wasn't, he wasn't in a godly culture or for us to bring it into our context, he was not in a Christian culture. It would be as if it were for us today, perhaps a post-Christian culture. It wasn't the norm to love God. It wasn't the norm to serve God. But in that place, God raised up Daniel to be a person of influence. And really, we see in the life of Daniel, and I am going to read a few scriptures uh, so you can just thumb with me. But uh, in Daniel's life, we really see three areas of influence. And the first area that, that we see that Daniel became influential is that Daniel had personal influence. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 9, that God brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. In other words, the the person that was over Daniel, the Babylonian official that was over Daniel, we could say it this way, the, the, the boss, the overseer of Daniel, Daniel had favor with him. In other words, the people that were around Daniel He had favor and goodwill. He had personal influence. And I believe uh, that's really the beginning of influence for every one of us, that God wants to give us goodwill and favor. Uh, In other words, he wants to make people like us. Now, on one side, of course, uh, we cannot depend on people liking us. And on one side, um, you know, the scripture says it's not possible to live at peace with all people. We try, but it's not always possible. But ultimately, when we spend time with the Lord, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is going to manifest in our life and we're going to become likable. People are going to be drawn to us. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives us um, influence in the lives of people. And that's what Daniel had. People just liked him. They wanted to be around him. And I believe that's one evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit or of intimacy with God is that we begin to have personal influence. God begins to shape us. He begins to change us. He begins to kind of rub off some of the the rough edges that can sometimes make us a little bit prickly, a little bit uh, difficult in relationships. But God makes us have personal influence. God gives us personal influence 
influence. And I believe God wants to give you personal influence in your neighborhood, uh, in, with your coworkers, with the people in your sphere of relationships, that God would give you goodwill and favor. I love the book of Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Luke actually summarizes uh, the majority of Jesus's earthly life by saying this, that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. And so Daniel also had personal influence. But the second thing I want you to see is that Daniel had cultural influence. Daniel had cultural influence. In fact, the book of Daniel chapter uh, 1 verse 17, just a few verses down, it says this, that God gave him knowledge and skill in, liter in all literature and wisdom. God gave Daniel skill. And one area that it says that Daniel had skill in is that Daniel had skill in literature. Now, I don't know exactly what that looked like. I don't know if that means he just read a lot of books and he had a lot of knowledge. I don't know if that means that Daniel was an author. I don't know if that means Daniel was a poet. I don't know exactly what that looked like, but the Bible says that, that God gave Daniel skill in literature. In other words, God gave him influence in the culture, even in an ungodly culture. And it was his skill that gave him cultural influence. And I believe that God wants us today to have cultural influence. In other words, God has given every single one of us a gift or gifts, areas of skill, areas of expertise. For Daniel, it was literature and knowledge. Uh, perhaps he would have been like a professor that, that when he spoke, people listened to him. He perhaps would have been like a, a cultural influencer, like we would find someone that would give a TED Talk today, maybe the Simon Sinek of his time. I don't know, but he was influential culturally because of the gift that God had given to him. God gave him knowledge and God has given you a gift. God has given me gifts. All of us have gifts. I don't know what your gift is. Maybe you're gifted in art. Maybe you're gifted in literature. Maybe you're gifted academically. Maybe you're gifted with technology. Maybe you're gifted uh, with business. I don't know what area you're gifted in, but God gives you gifts in order to expand his influence. And Daniel had cultural influence. The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs 18, verse 16, that a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. In other words, the skill that God has given to you is part of his plan for you to influence the world around you. What is your skill? What is your gift? That's a part of the influence that God wants to bring through your life. And so Daniel had personal influence. He had cultural influence. The third thing I want you to see is that Daniel had social influence. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 5, verse 29, that Belshazzar gave the command... And they clothed Daniel with purple, that's the color of royalty, and put a chain around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Daniel had social influence, or we may even say Daniel had political influence. Now, notice Daniel wasn't chasing that position. He didn't run, you know, Daniel for the third in the kingdom campaign. It was just the 
influence that he had personally, the influence he had culturally that gave him social influence, that gave him political influence, that gave him national influence. And it says that they gave him purple. They clothed him in purple. They put a chain of gold around his neck. At that time, a chain of gold, a gold chain would have been a sign of authority. So God gave Daniel authority and influence even in an ungodly culture. And I I think it's a wonderful example for all of us that Daniel, although he stood up for his convictions, he was not a critic in the culture. And because of that, God gave him a voice even in an ungodly culture. And I believe God wants to give us uh, collectively, and I believe God wants to give you personally influence in the time that we live in. If there's ever been a time that we need to see people raised up by God with kingdom influence, not worldly influence, not just a social media platform and some analytics and algorithm, but God wants to give people authority. The gold chain was a sign of authority. And so God wants to give us influence. I hope you believe that, that God wants to use your life to advance his kingdom. But the reality is that just as Daniel faced enemies, you and I will face enemies to our influence. As soon as God begins to use us, the enemy will resist us. And that's what we see in the life of Daniel. We see even as he has been raised to this place of influence and prominence in Babylon, immediately the enemies and the opposition begin to rise up. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, that the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of God. I want you to notice the place where they attacked Daniel. They wanted to limit Daniel's influence. They were saying he's having too much influence in the nation. He's having too much influence in the culture. There's too many people that are coming to him. We've got to put an end to his influence. And they attacked his place of intimacy. They convinced the king to make a law to outlaw prayer, to outlaw the the intimate place that Daniel would go to to receive his influence. And I think that's true for every single one of us, that the enemy will always try to attack our intimacy in order to stop our influence. God wants us as people to be influential in the culture, influential in the society. He wants us to be an influencer in our neighborhood, in our workplace, that we would change the atmosphere around us. But our, in, our influence comes out of our intimacy. And so as Daniel's influence is attacked, Daniel didn't plead for his influence. He didn't try to defend his, himself. Daniel did the only thing that he knew to do, the very thing that had given him the place of influence. He went back to the place of intimacy. And I believe that that's what God is calling us to do right now, to go to the place of intimacy, not to look for influence, but to go to the place of intimacy. And as we do that, as we seek God, God will open up the doors of influence in the world around us. And the Bible says of Daniel, that in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. 
And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. Daniel went to the place of intimacy in order to defend his influence. Notice he didn't get on social media. Notice he didn't, um, you know, try to plead his case to the king. He went before the king of kings. He went to the, the place of prayer, the place of intimacy. And I believe even for us as a church that God is inviting us into that place of intimacy so that he can expand our influence in our city, in our community, and around the world. And so I want to give you quickly three things that I believe are keys to intimacy that we see from the life of Daniel. Three keys to intimacy that will expand our influence. The first thing I want you to see that Daniel had in the place of intimacy is that Daniel had a room. Daniel had a room. Notice it says this, he went home and in his upper room, he went to his upper room. He went to that private place alone with God. He went to his room. And I, I want to ask you the question, where is your room? Uh, where do you go to meet with God? Now, I hope there is a place in your home that you can meet with God. I know for some of us, maybe we don't have a lot of, maybe we don't have a big house. Maybe there's not a, a prayer room in our house. Maybe it's hard to find a quiet place. Uh, I know I've even gone into a walk, our walk-in closet and laid a mat on the floor and pulled the door shut just to have a little bit of quiet. Um, but for every single one of us, I believe we need to have a place that we can meet with God. And that's what we're doing even as we gather on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings. And this coming week, we'll continue to do that. We are just going to a place to meet with God. And it's not God that needs a place. It's us that needs a place. God will meet with us anywhere. Uh, so it's not God that needs the place. It's us that need a place. We need a place to go to meet with God. And intimacy requires uh, an environment that is conducive, an environment where we can meet with, uh, with God. The same is true in relationships. Uh, you know, maybe you've seen somebody with a little bit, too, a little too much PDA, a little too much public display of affection. And, uh, you know, you heard somebody shout, get a room. Uh, what are they saying? They're saying, hey, that's too much out here. You need to find a place. And I believe the same is true for us as followers of Jesus, that we need a place. And I'm so excited that we're going to have a place that will be open all the time, a place that we can meet with God. And I can't wait to have a place that is not just beautiful aesthetically, but a place that we have uh, made it our practice. We've made it our routine. We've made it a, a sacred space. And uh, in fact, that's something that I would love to do. I'd love to have our building open uh, as often as possible to create sacred space, just a place where people can come and can pray and can read the scripture and can meditate. But every one of us need to have a room. And that's the question I want to ask you very practically is, where do you go to meet with God? Sometimes we don't meet with God. Sometimes we don't have the intimacy with God that God wants us to have simply because we don't make a place. And so number one, Daniel went to his room. The first thing we need for intimacy is we need a room. The second thing I believe that we need and we can learn from Daniel is that Daniel not only had a room, but Daniel also had a routine. In fact, notice what the Bible says 
in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, that he went to his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. And I, I want you to know, not only did Daniel have a room, but he also had a routine. Uh, apparently, it had been his custom, his practice, his, his routine or his rule of life that three times a day, Daniel went home and he got on his knees and he prayed. And so when Daniel was under attack, when his influence was under attack, he had already created the routine. He knew what to do when he was under attack. He did the same thing he always did. He went home and he prayed. That was his routine. He had trained himself and, you know, it's, it's true in the military. Some people will spend their whole lives just in the, the routine, the rhythm, the, um, the exercises of war and may never go to war, but they understand that it's that routine, it's that practice that is preparing them for those moments. And, and I believe that's why it's so important that every one of us have regular times that we spend with God. I know each one of us have a different life, a different routine, a different schedule, but that every one of us, I believe, find uh, whatever it should be in our life, in our season of life, that we could say like it was said of Daniel. That was his custom. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to love the excitement, the exciting moments of, you know, a worship night or a retreat or these sort of you know, exciting moments. And those things are wonderful. I believe they can spark our, uh, our life with God. They can breathe fresh life and fresh energy, but they can't sustain our life with God. Our life with God is sustained through routines and through rhythms. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said as he was giving a newly married couple uh, advice at their wedding. And he said this, today you are young and very much in love, and you think it's your love that can sustain your marriage. It can't let your marriage sustain your love. In other words, he was saying it's not the feelings. It's not being in love that sustains marriage. It's actually marriage. It's the commitment that sustains the love. And the same is true in our relationship with God. It's our commitment to seeking him, to spend time with him. And so even as we are spending time with him in prayer in, in meditation, in scripture, in worship throughout these 21 days. I hope that you're resetting the routines of your life, resetting the rhythms of your week to spend time with God, not just in the special moments, but in the everyday moments. Daniel went to his room and he prayed three times as was his custom. What's your custom? When do you pray? Where do you pray? What's the routine in your spiritual life with God? You know, Routine builds relationship. My wife and I try to keep a routine of a weekly date night. And it's not because we're legalistic. It's because we want relationships. So we prioritize that routine in our life. And I believe the same is true. If we want to have public influence, we need to commit to intimacy and to a routine with God. So number one, he had a room. Number two, he had a routine. And number three, I want you to see that out of that place, Daniel had a revelation. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 verse 19, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. The secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. You see, the ultimate thing that gave Daniel the place of influence 
was the word of God that Daniel received through dreams and through visions. Actually, if you read the book of Daniel, nine out of the 12 chapters are, are, are visions, are dreams, are revelations that God gave to Daniel in the intimate place, in the secret place, alone with God. You see, uh, revelation always comes out of relationship. Revelation always comes out of relationship. God doesn't reveal himself. He doesn't reveal his secrets to people that have not had relationship with him. And as Daniel had a room that he went to be alone with God and he had a routine, a custom, times that he was with God, God gave him revelation. He gave him words. He gave him insight. He gave him understanding of what to do, when to do it. And it was through that revelation that God raised Daniel up to a place of influence. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. He says, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. In other words, what God gives you in the intimate place is what you will carry into that place of influence in the public sphere, the public realm. And I love what, how Daniel finishes in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. It says this, and if you get nothing else today, I hope you'll get this. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 says, The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know their God, the people who have developed relationship with God in the intimate place, the secret place, the people who have gotten up early and, and have gone and spent time alone with God when nobody else was seeing, when nobody else was watching, when nobody was there to like it, and it certainly wouldn't be trending. Those people, the people who know their God, shall be strong and do exploits. I don't know what influence God has called you to in your work, in your family, in your sphere of relationships. I don't know what sphere of influence God has given to you, but I do know that God wants to use you. I do know that God wants to use you to influence the world around you. And as the scripture says in the book of Daniel, it's those who know their God that shall be strong and do exploits. And even as we move forward this year as a church, I believe that God's going to expand our influence. I believe we're going to see more people come to Christ. I believe we're going to see more people coming and connecting in our community. But all of the influence comes out of intimacy. And so as we dedicate ourselves to seeking God, I believe we're positioning ourselves in the place for God's blessing and for God to give us a voice to influence people. Can I pray for you today as we close? Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person that's watching this today. Lord, I thank you for the sphere of influence that you have put them in. Lord, whether they're a mom or a dad, whether they, Lord, have a sphere of influence at home, Lord, perhaps in their neighborhood with, with their neighbors or maybe with friends or coworkers. God, thank you that you have called us to influence the world around us. God, you want to use us to change the world. But Lord, I thank you that it flows from the place of intimacy. And God, even as we take this time, we set aside time to seek you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are going to use us to influence those around us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us a revelation, give dreams and visions, Father. Give uh, words of wisdom, Father. Give 
uh, creative ideas, even in business, God, revelations that can raise us up to a place of influence, Father, ultimately that we can give you glory and give you honor. I thank you for it, Lord, today. Bless your people, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for taking the time to keep this as a part of your routine. I want to remind you we'll be together this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for prayer, and also next Sunday. Hope you'll join us at the Winter Park Community Center. It's going to be a great time getting back together. I can't wait to see you then.